Joshua Rogers uh, is an attorney and a writer who lives in Washington, D.C., and he tells a story when he um, uh, was studying for his first law school exam. Uh, he had a very, very stressful week. Um, he was a poor law student living on $300 a month, and, and uh, he's driving down the street, and he sees a bunch of police cars down the road, and, and so he instinctively put his foot on the brake. That's what we humans do, don't we? We're good at that when we see a police car. We brake, or we slow down. Uh, Josh says, man, I couldn't afford a ticket. And so uh, it was, instead of just a police checkpoint, and so he stopped by the officer and handed him his driver's license, and the police officer looked at his license and just kind of frowned at him and said, uh, hey, Josh, you're going to have to pull over to the side here, and uh, your, uh, your driver's license has expired. I don't know if you knew that or not. And Josh didn't know that. So... Uh, the police officer says, you know what, I'm going to have to write you a $50 ticket. And um, Josh says, man, I was crushed. $50, that, that's my entertainment uh, envelope for the month, you know, with my budget. And that includes uh, getting a haircut, you know, and going to Taco Bell. You know, that's my entertainment for the month. And man, I, here I'm going to get stuck paying a ticket. Um, fortunately, the police officer told him that... Uh, he wouldn't have to pay the fine if he got his driver's license renewed within two days. That sounded pretty good. But Josh said, you know, uh, man, I'm, I'm really uh, at the end here. I'm, I'm studying for this, this law exam. Uh, I really don't have time to go, you know, through that whole process. But, um, hey, it's better than spending $50 on a, on a ticket. So the next day he went to the highway patrol office and he waited how many of you know you get to wait? Uh, have you waited? I have. Uh, for an hour and a half. And uh, finally his name was called and he sat down to get his uh, fo photo. You know, you, you always smile. And um, filled out his paperwork and he waited for his license to come out of the machine. And the lady said, hey, that's going to be $22. And, and Josh said, hey, I thought it was only 17 well, she said it was, but now it's 22. Uh, and so Jess said, well, ma'am, I'm really sorry about this, but I'm $5 short. Um, and, and then the lady across the counter said, well, you can't get your license then. You'll have to come back and get in the line again. Uh, that, that wasn't what he wanted to hear. And going home to get $5 wasn't an option either. Yes, he was under that time crunch and needing every minute to study. So in an act of grace, the officer said, hey, um, uh, why don't you go out to your car and uh, just kind of go through your, your car seats to see if there's any change that could add up to five bucks. And, um, and we'll hold your, your spot here. And so, um, man, he said, well, thank you very much. And so he went out to the parking lot, uh, combed through his car, and he came up with $1.24 in change, $3.76 short. And so 
as he's uh, just completed his search in his car, he prayed, God, could you please give me $4? (laughs) Like, uh, could you just make it appear somewhere? And so Josh did the next best thing, and he started walking through the parking lot hoping to find money on the lot. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Um, And so desperate for a miracle, um, he did that very thing. He searched the parking lot, and there there wasn't any money, unfortunately. And so uh, Josh said, you know, um, I just have to go back and tell the officer I'll I'll have to come back because I I, I just don't have enough money. So so as he shut the door to his car, uh, an older woman pulled up in a blue truck. She parked it and got out, and she walked straight to Josh. Never met him before. And looked him right in the eyes. And she said, asked them, do you need something? And um, Josh said, the, the way she said it and the way she looked at me, it's like she already knew what I needed. And, um, and so Josh said, yeah, I, I do. And if you don't mind, I actually need $4. <laughs> and, uh, and so Josh went into, you know, he's preparing to be a lawyer. And so he kind of goes through that whole spiel trying to get his story in. But before... He could finish, she pulled out $4 from her wallet and put it in his hand. And Josh said, man, my jaw dropped, and I I couldn't hardly believe it, you know. And he says, you're not going to believe this, but just before you drove up, I asked Jesus to give me $4. And then you just showed up and asked me what I needed. I mean, it's like Jesus drove up and gave me the money. (laughs) And she smiled, and she said, "Uh, well, I guess he's got children everywhere, doesn't he? And so in a stupor, man, with his, you know, breath taken away, he went back to the counter to pay for his license, thanking the kind officer once again as he walked out. And this is what he said. To this day, I marvel that the lady so boldly approached me in the parking lot. Though she didn't directly hear my prayer, God must have somehow shared the request with her. And thankful she was listening closely enough to hear his concern for my relatively minor need. If she were a lot like us, she might have ignored the prompting from God. It wouldn't have been a big enough deal. You see, we want to change the world to prove how big our God is, how big his plans are, but even a small task is big if it's his will. I prayed for $4, and God used a seemingly random lady to provide. But through her obedience, he provided more than pocket change. He showed me how much he loves me, that he cares about all things in my life, and that he will send people along to meet even my most basic needs. Most importantly, his love made me want to be more like that lady, keenly attuned to the voice of God who longs to love a world in need of encouragement, sympathy, and maybe just $4. How true that is. God, in a very practical way, providing Josh's need for $4. I don't know what your need is this morning, 
But I can tell you this, that the God of love is here. And he knows exactly what you're going through. And he's not going to abandon you. Yesterday, I was reading in Psalm 55. And verse 22 says, Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. And I, I, I thought, wow, this... This is what exactly Josh did. He, he took that burden, his need, and he, he, he gave it to the Lord. And the promise is he will take care of you. I like the way the message puts it. It says, pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. That's good, isn't it? And I tell you what, the days that we're living in, we, we need to be able to offload stuff that comes our way in life. And the cool thing is we have a God who's not made of stone or straw or wood, but we have a God who created you and he knows exactly what you're going through, your emotions, the stress, and he's saying to you, pile your troubles on my shoulders. I'm going to carry your load. And I'm going to help you out. What kind of a God is that, huh? It's amazing. It's an amazing God. And so before we jump into the talk today, Psalm 107, we've hit this before. Psalm 107. Um, because just like Josh, after this woman really obeyed that prompting, that little tap on the shoulder, you know, sending her into the parking lot with $4. Uh, we have a God who who loves you very much. And so, let's read that together. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. And so... And so this may seem a little weird right now, but let's do that. Let, let's, let's give thanks to the Lord. Let's do that. Lord, we thank you. Right where you're at. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithful love. We thank you for coming after us. We thank you that you pursued us. We thank you that you have an incredible amount of passion for each one of us in this room today. And so, Lord, we don't hold that on the inside. We audibly tell you how great you are. We are thankful. We're not stingy. We're not, we're not focused all about us, Lord. We want to put our eyes on you today. And so show yourself big as we declare the great love and the faithful love of the Lord. Yeah, that's liberating, man. Man, when we were singing this morning, that was easy to do, wasn't it? To be able to tell God how great he was. Whew. And so, on the back of your program, there's, a, there's an outline. 
And I know some of you have been complaining. You, you, you've been wanting to fill in blanks. Your pen has been warmed up, and you never get to use it. And so hopefully today we'll, uh, we'll be able to make some progress. How about it? Um, <laughs> so let's go, let's go to Ephesians uh, chapter 3 uh, in verse 14. And, and um, you can, all those verses are lined up right there for you. When I, when I think that's Paul, Paul's in prison, he's, he's uh, chained to a, a Roman guard at this time. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And now all glory to God. Now, Paul's kind of tipping it right here. He's going into a, who, God, you are. You are, who, you are, so awesome. That's a kind of a paraphrase, but. I want glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And glory to him in the church. In other words, Lord, we praise you. We give you honor. And in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever, amen. And, 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 and we say, so be it. That's good. So let's, uh, let's quickly review. Uh, number one, think right. This is where Paul's starting off in his prayer. That too many followers of Christ, he recognizes this, that we're not thinking right. We're thinking wrong. We are, we're going on the wrong trail even in our image of who God is. Um, maybe the way you were brought up, maybe your past, whatever the case may be, you may have images of who God is, but they're not accurate. And so Paul is saying, when I think of all this, we have to think accurately. We have to think in what God's Word says. That's where we, we camp out on. And we need to take time to think right. Instead of camping out on that self-rejecting voice, and I think we all have had that voice, haven't we? The self-rejecting, the pounding. You're not good enough. You're not, you know, you've messed up too much. That, it's kind of pounding you into the ground. And that's why 1 John 3, 1, see how much, very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. We just sang that, huh? So good. God loves you, man, and, and so we need to settle. Number two, pray and be empowered. Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That inner strength, Paul is saying, is your core. It's, what, it's the foundation. It's where your, your heart is, and your heart is the, is the captain of your personality and the choices you make. It's the command center. And so Paul is saying, listen, in order, in order 
for you to get a grip on what I'm about to say and, and pray for you. I pray that you will be uh, empowered with inner strength, that you'll be strong on the inside, because we know that storms in life will come. We live in a broken world. In order to withstand the tsunamis of life, we have to have our core that's anchored in. That's what Paul's praying for. And when that happens, in John 14, 23, Jesus says this, all who love me, all who love me will do what I say. And listen, um, it, it's so practical. I think Jesus recognizes that, you know, you, you say you love me, then why don't you do what I say? And so to demonstrate our love for God, this is just one way, we'll obey him. We'll do what his word says. In our culture today, in Christianity in America, the whole theme of obedience to Christ has been diluted. Instead of obeying Christ, we, we, we as Americans get to make it a multiple choice on what we want to obey and what we don't want to. And we think God's cool with that. That is not the heart of God. He says, if you love me, then prove it by obeying me. And it's not to say, oh man, i got to obey God. What a drag. No, that is not. If we love him, we want to obey him. There's that drive on the inside, man. I want, I want to obey him. I want to. I don't have to, I want to. Number three, Christ at home in, my, in me, verse 17. And Christ, so when we, you know, when we are empowered in that inner strength, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. What does that look like? What, what, what does this look like? My Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, as you trust in him, as you trust in him, he will make his home in your hearts. And it's up to you. you. You can keep God in a guest room, you know, you can park him in the parking lot for six days of the week and pull him in when you're driving in the church, you know. And you think that's what you're supposed to do. That's not what, that's not what Paul's writing about here. He'll make his home in your hearts when you trust in him. You have to trust him. And we'll get a little more into that in a moment. Your roots will grow down deep, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Uh, wh what's that look like? Well, that one song where it says, we sang this morning about being still. So do you have to get all worked up? about getting your roots down deep into God's love? Do you have to get all, you know, is it all about you? No. Here it is. It's simply resting in God's love. You rest in his love. What's that look like? First of all, you identify yourself, I am a child of God and he loves me. I'm, I'm good with that. And so by doing that, because you're good with that, you read his love letters to you. You read those letters. 
and you obey those letters because you recognize his love for you. And so you're resting in his presence. You're just resting in him. And automatically, boom, those roots go down. Boom, they go down deep into that love. So it's not what I have to do. It's simply resting in his presence. And your roots automatically go down deep into his love. And it will keep you strong. I don't know if any of you have ever had sod put on your lawn. You know, it's where you have sod farms and they have these machines that cut the roots. And they roll up the grass. And so it's real easy to roll it out on your front lawn. But there's a problem with sod. Because it has, because those roots have been cut, the root system is weak. And you'll notice a house that has sod in the front yard versus seeded lawns where those seeds go into the ground and those roots are developed and they go down into the soil. In times of drought, you'll find that the sod grass dries out quicker than the seeded lawns. It's a lot easier to roll it up and roll it out. It takes a little more time for that seed to germinate. Do those seeds have to have a little band on the side? Come on! Come on, seed, get in there. Come on, roots! No, they just rest. They rest in the soil, don't they? Have you ever, have you ever watched seeds? <laughs> if you ever get bored, man, just, just Google it. Watch seed grow, man. The seeds just go on that ground and they chill, man. Woo! You know? They chill. It rains and the sun comes out. Oh, man. The roots go down. That's how it is with God, man. Don't think you have to do a litany of things for that to happen. You simply rest in his love. And those roots go down. So, um, number four, understand God's great love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. And Paul is, is praying that you and I would have the power to understand there is a lot of, I tell you, this is the battleground, I, I believe, uh, one of the major battlegrounds in Christianity, that there's so many followers of Christ that, that get stuck here for their whole lives that they, they never take that step where they understand God's love. They talk themselves out of God loving them. And the enemy is very good at deceiving you. And I can verify that because I was deceived for a long time in my life. And Paul says, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people, every one of us in this room, there should be no barriers for that to happen, where you do not connect with, man, I understand 
how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. It's powerful. The light goes on in your head, man, I understand. And so, this is where, this is where we, new ground here this morning, friends. There's new ground. Aren't you excited? Okay. All right. So, 1 John 3, 1. 1 John 3, 1. This is... Uh, 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 see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You may want to put that verse on your refrigerator to refresh and remind you of that simple fact. The message puts it this way, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us, just look at it, we're called children of God, that's who we really are. How cool that is. And so we rest in that fact that we are loved lavishly by our Heavenly Father. Man, that is so good. So stay with me now. Stay with me because we're going to, we're, we're just kind of taking a step off the trail and we'll come right back to it. Second Corinthians 9.10, this is the God we live for. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. We're, we're going we're gonna to hit this. For, the God, for God is the one who provides. That word provide, you want to underline that in your Bibles because it's key. The Greek word for provides really pulls back the curtain on this, this image of God's generosity. It combines the word dance with the verb to lead. So it, it literally means to lead a dance. So for God is the one who will lead a dance in his provision. When God gives, he leaps for joy. He leads the giving parade. He loves to give. And, and here it is. Here it is. When I started doing word studies about stuff in the Bible... You, when you pull back the curtain, it just puts more light. And this is exactly what that word provide. It puts more light on this verse. The heart of God, he loves to give. He's a generous God. Even his love, man, he doesn't, he doesn't hoard it. He doesn't you know, put it out incrementally. He just, poof, thumps it on you. And um, so think about that. The one who provides to lead a dance because he gets so excited about giving. And that reminded me of Zephaniah 3.17, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you. Pause. Lord, you will take delight in me. You need to just remind. Lord, you will take delight in me. Whew. That's good. With gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So I did a word study on that word rejoice, and it, and it radically changed me because that word rejoice doesn't mean, oh, cool, cool. No, that means, it means that the Lord dances and he leaps for joy, and it means to spin around with intense motion. 
So when, when you read that the Lord rejoices over you there, he's jumping up and down and spinning around over you because he's so excited. So when you read that and then you read 2 Corinthians 9, 10, then he, he dances for joy in giving. Woo! Man, there's a lot of emotion there. In the Bible, though, calls God generous. And man, Matthew 10, 8, give as freely as you were, as received. And a model of that was in Luke 19, 6, when Zacchaeus, remember that stingy, creepy Zacchaeus tax collector, you know, that hoarded all of his money. And Jesus wanted to radically transform his life. That's what Jesus loves to do, by the way. And so he said, Zacchaeus, get out of that tree, man. Let's go have lunch together. You've got a pizza oven in your kitchen. Let's do it. Let's go have a pizza. So Jesus went to his house in great excitement and joy, and the people were displeased. They were ticked off because he's gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. You see it? And they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. If I have cheated people on taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. What happened? While they were having a meal together, Jesus presented the gospel to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I love you. You've got a hole on the inside of you, man. Even though you have all the money in the world that you will ever need, you're not fulfilled. I've come to forgive your sins, Zacchaeus. And so look at, look at the transformation immediately was this generous God jumped into Zacchaeus and he became generous. You know, the, the dude who wanted to hang on to everything and rob from people, it says that he'll give back four times and give half his wealth to the poor. Zacchaeus was never the same because he encountered Jesus. You see it? Martin Luther wrote, should anyone knock at my heart and say, who lives here? I should reply, not Martin Luther, but the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's just a good reminder. That's him living, making his home in your heart. That's what that's all about. So grace came in the front door of Zacchaeus' house and selfishness ran out the back door. Zacchaeus, you know, Jesus loved, you know, it changed Zacchaeus forever. And the question is, is it changing you? Because God is in the business of changing hearts. But here's the truth. People will continue to resist change. They don't want to change. And so let's, let's, let's kind of go to verse 17. That your roots will grow down into God's love. Keep that on the burner. Because when that happens, we should be changed. Case in point, Luke 7, Jesus is anointed by a woman. Let's, before we do that, let's get to the root of the problem here. 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction for the love of money. Not money. The love of money 
is the root. There's that word root. You see, your roots are going to go down deep into God's love. Your roots are going to go somewhere. If you're not intentional about it, your roots are going to search. You know, what are you feeding your roots? Where are they going? Well, the root, the love of money, it has a root, and it is the root of all kinds of evil. See? And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Let's talk about this. In Luke 7, the Pharisees, and Simon specifically, invites his dudes, the Pharisees, over to his house, and he invites Jesus to come. And so they're around the table, eating, and an immoral woman, verse 37 a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, and she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. How expensive? Two years' wages. Was she generous or was she stingy? A certain immoral woman, she was a prostitute. She sold her body. That's how she earned her income. And with that, she bought a, a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Two years' wages in that jar. Jesus is around the table with all these religious dudes. She comes in, verse 38, she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept on kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. What's going on here? She's taken two years of, years of wages and she's pouring it out on Jesus' feet. That's what love will do, friends. Love is generous. I've told you this before, but when I was able to realize God's love for me, it liberated me to tell my brother, who I had lived with for 20 years, I looked him in the face and said, I love you. I didn't say that until then. Because you're gen when, you're, when God is allowed to be generous with his love in you, it will, it will liberate you to be generous with your love. Do you understand that? With everything. And when the Pharisee who had invited him, Simon, he, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. No, she was a sinner. And Jesus, because he's God, he answered those thoughts. He said, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied, and Jesus told a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither one of them could repay, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? See, that word love keeps popping up. And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. That's all tradition in that culture. Simon ignored him. 
disrespected Jesus. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Simon carefully avoided every custom in that day to make Jesus feel at home in his, heart, in, in his home. Jesus didn't feel at home in Simon's home because he wasn't treated with the respect that was common in that culture of washing their feet and putting oil in their hair and kissing them on the cheek. That was tradition. He was ignored by Simon. And Jesus recognized that. But this woman came in in a very quiet way. And she poured two years of oil upon Jesus' feet to express her love and gratitude for being forgiven of her sins. This woman had lived with those voices of rejection for so long and how liberating it was to be forgiven and set free by the love of Jesus Christ. The Jerusalem Bible in verse 48 puts it this way, For this reason I tell you that her sins, her many sins, must have been forgiven or she would not have shown such great love. We're either like Simon or we're like the woman in this story. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you like Simon who says you love Jesus but you don't do what he says? You don't honor him? Or are you like the woman who came in and was very generous? She held nothing back to express her gratitude. You see, when love consumes us, we become generous with everything. It's not my money, it's God's money. It's not my house, it's God's house. God owns everything we own. He owns it all. He's allowing us to steward it, to manage it. That's what it's all about. And so here it is. This woman was radically changed and transformed because of the forgiveness of God. And in response to that love in her, she was generous with her money, so to speak. So let's hit this for a moment. Tithing. Tithing. What's that about? Tithing is very simply loving God and giving Him what belongs to him as a reminder that he owns it all anyway. That's as simple as it is. It's not your money, friend. It's not your money. It's God's money. All of it. In Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it gives the promise about tithing. Honor the Lord with your wealth. That's the first part of your income. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. God says if you honor him with the first part of your income, he will bless you financially. And blessing, that's a, 
That doesn't mean you're going to become a millionaire. It just means he's going to take care of you. Debbie and I decided to do that over 40 years ago when we were married. We will be not in debt to God ever. We will always give him first what belongs to him. He gets paid right off the top. As a reminder, it's not mine, it's his. It's because of him that he's allowed me to earn an income. And I'm reminding myself of that truth. It all comes from God in the first place. So why does God tell us to tithe in Deuteronomy 14, 23? The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. This woman, what did she do? She, nothing, these men, these intimidating Pharisees would not keep her away from Jesus. She had to get where Jesus was, and she was generous, wasn't she? And she worshipped him. And, and... God doesn't need your money, by the way. Did you know that? That's why a lot of people, well, God doesn't need my money. Well, okay. But he wants what it represents, and that's your heart. It goes back to making his home in your heart. He wants your heart. He wants you to trust him. Because Jesus understood this in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart, your heart will always be your heart. See, don't get hung up on this word tithing and giving to the Lord, friend. Listen, this should not, this should not cause your blood pressure to rise right now. It should be, there should be joy exploding out of your heart because of everything God has done for you. And the, and the natural response would be, I want to give to him. I want to give to him. It's not that I have to. I may say I love the Lord, but if I don't tithe, what does it say about me? Hmm? What's it say? If I really love the Lord, my money would reflect that I love him. That's what it says. This woman had changed, her life had changed because of Jesus. And in her response, she had to give. She had to give. And she was demonstrating how deeply she loved Jesus for what he had done for her by giving that expensive perfume. So what does that, what does your giving reveal about how much you love Jesus? What's that all about? It sounds simple, but... You follow a person's money, and you'll, you'll discover what's important in their life. You know that? You follow their money, and you'll find out what's most important in their life. And that's why Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's the, where your desires of your heart will be also. The message puts it this way. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. You see that? If you love Jesus, you'll want to give. So where should you tithe, friends? Where, where, where do you tithe? Do you tithe to the United Way? 
Or do you tithe to your brother who's been out of work for three years? No, you don't. That's charity. You call that charity. Tithing is an act of worship, and it goes to God. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. If you do, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. Have you put God to the test? And very simply, the storehouse is the place where you worship. So if you're here today, you worship at Live Church. This is where your tithe belongs. Not to your brother and not to, not to the United Way. When are you supposed to tithe? Well, you do it on the day you worship. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. You catch that? On how much the Lord has helped you earn. Not how much you have earned, but how much the Lord has helped you earn. And so, on every Lord's Day, 1 Corinthians 16.2, each of you should put aside something which you have earned during the week. The Lord's Day, the first day of the week. It's a great way to start your week, right? Being reminded that what I have, it's not mine, it's all because of God. And then you can watch God bless you. Because of his provision. I've got to tell you, man, when you read this Luke 7 story and you see this woman, how passionate she is about giving, listen, that should be all of our hearts. It should be all of our hearts. Lord, I love you. You have loved me so much. I want to give to you as a reminder of how grateful I am, just like this woman. Look at Zacchaeus the same way. Love makes you want to give. It makes you want to give. And it's so much fun. It's so much fun. So, very simply, look at, look at the model, Ephesians 3. Look at the model on Luke 7. Look at the model on Luke 19, what love does to a person. It makes you want to be generous. Right? Yes? <laughs> Bad. can you imagine? Can you imagine if Life Church modeled this woman in Luke 7? Huh? Man. It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing understanding God's great love. I tell you what, it messes you up for good. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning we thank you this morning Lord, we want our roots to go down into your love, not to go into money, not to go into popularity, uh, not to go in whatever direction, but Lord, we want it to be intentional about going down into your love.
so that we will remain strong. Lord, that's what we want. We want to finish strong. And so as we look at just a couple examples this morning of what love does to a person, it's automatic, Lord. This woman didn't go through a a tithing class. She just, man, gave, boom. Zacchaeus didn't go through a 12-week seminar. He simply, man, I want to be generous because God was so generous with me. I pray for that to happen at Life Church, Lord. That when we understand and when we experience your love, it will change us in every area of our lives. From top to bottom, from side to side, Lord. And so we thank you. We thank you today as we open the door to allow your love to be poured into us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.